Zone. Filling in for Pete, here's Sal Licata. Mets off day. They close out the first month of the baseball season with a two of three from San Diego. They sit at 17-9, first place in the NL East. They'll resume play tomorrow. Coverage begins right here, 6.05, taking on the Bravos. You get Syndergaard versus Newcomb tomorrow. DeGrom lines up in game two of that series and Jason Vargas in three. And by the way, get out there this week at City Field. Mets return home. You get to see Syndergaard tomorrow. DeGrom, right? You want to go see Vargas. Mets Braves, that's a Thursday afternoon, the Vargas game. And then you got the all-fun weekend coming up. Wheeler and Mats. You got the the Cespedes Gnome. You got the sock giveaway. Friday is free shirt Friday. I think you get a Bruce shirt. So a lot going on at City Field. Make sure you get out there and support the club. John in Jersey, you're on the Voice of New York seven ten W O R. Hey Sal, uh, what's up, John? For taking my call. Yeah. Um, so I got three numbers for you: five, uh, one, and and sixty. And that's uh, David Wright's number. Uh, and uh, one is uh, you know he's number one in our hearts still, of course. And fifty uh, day DL is he <laughs> done? Is he ever going to come back again? No. We, we just, no. You mean you mean come back and loud? you mean come back and play, John, or you mean come back and well, like be honored or something like that? Well, right. Well, I would say what's holding the Mets back from just announcing that he's retiring, have David Wright Day, have it be, be make the, as big a splash as you can make, because obviously he deserves it. But then, and and, and also, I guess my question is, is he taking up any roster spots at all for anyone? I think they just moved him to the 60-man, if I'm not mistaken. So, no, you're, it's, it's don't worry about the roster spot right now. And I think that the issue is that there's no hurry to come out and say David Wright is retiring, we're having David Wright Day, you know, in September or whatever. This will be something that Wright's going to have to decide after this season. I think Wright's going to give it everything he possibly can to come back at some point, whether it be September or in the postseason. And most likely September, because you can't even imagine him, even if he's healthy, being put on a postseason roster. Wright, though, will right. do everything within his power to be ready to be with the ball club in September, maybe get in at bat, maybe play a game just so he could go out with one more you know, one more game, one more at bat. I don't know if that's physically possible. David doesn't know if that's physically possible, but before they announce retirement, he's going to try. And then he's going to have to reassess. Remember, if he retires, he's going to give away all that money that he's made. Unless it's a Prince Fielder situation where he's forced to retire because of this injury. So we're not there yet, John, but I think we're getting close to it. And and okay, well, that's, that's thank you for the answer. Yeah. And uh, any chance of the best tickets are going yet, or you got to wait longer than the hour? Uh, no, the Mets tickets, and thanks, John, for the call. Uh, the Mets tickets will be, we'll do one pair this hour, one pair in the 8 o'clock hour. So you got to keep listening for that. This hour, one pair, and next hour. Let me just check the games. It is Mets versus Rockies. This is the, yeah, both of them. Good ones. The game I'll be at. The game I made a point to go to this year. My first one this year. Can't wait. Will be May 5th versus the Rockies. The Yoannis Cespedes Gnome. Now you just hope Cespedes is in the lineup. Wonder if that gnome loses value if Cespedes all of a sudden is done for a while. Gino's in Brooklyn. What's up, Gino? Sal, how you doing, man? Yeah, not bad. What's up, Gino? I gotta take my medicine, man. I called the other day. You remember? I said Adrian Gonzalez was done. Yeah, Gino. How about that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I mean, look, Gino. To your point, we get it. G- he's not Adrian Gonzalez is never going to be what he once was, but I don't think he's done just yet. Listen, if I, I'll. I'll take being wrong all day. If he's going to help the team win by doing that, I'll be wrong every single with every single breath and word I say, man. Yeah. Well, what do you, let me ask you, Gino. Do you want you want Jay Bruce at first base instead, so you can get Bruce in the lineup? Uh, excuse me, so you can get Nimmo in the lineup. How would you approach approach the situation? 
it's so difficult because, like you said, you, you lose that defense and it hurts. It really, you know, people undervalue the importance of defense. Like, look at Hosmer the other day making that play yeah. at second base. Mm-hmm. It, it it's tough. I mean, uh, unless Gonzalez really goes in the tank, you can't have Bruce there every day. I, I don't think. I mean, that's just not defensively feasible. No, I'm with you. I'm with you, Gino, and thanks for the call, and I appreciate you taking the medicine. You know what? Uh, I'm accountable if I say something stupid, and it happens more often than not, and I'll come on here and say, you know what? I was wrong, so appreciate you uh, being accountable, Gino. We like that. Mickey Calloway holding uh, even callers accountable now in uh, in his days here with the Mets manager. But look, it's not like Gonzalez is going to be an all-star, but he doesn't have to be an everyday player either. And I love these veteran presence, gives you veteran at-bats. It's something different than what they have. Plays great defense at first base, also something different than what they have. Against lefties, you're going to see Flores. Against righties, you'll see a split maybe of Bruce and Gonzalez. Maybe depending on matchups. Adrian struggles against this guy. Let's go with Bruce here, Nimmo, Conforto, and Cespedes. Now, if Cespedes is hurt, they don't have to worry about that. They just, unfortunately, you just go Conforto, Nemo, um, and Bruce in the outfield. And then first base, you have Gonzalez and Flores. One name not mentioned, Dom Smith, who apparently been doing pretty well in Vegas. I have not paid attention to it, but, you know, see the tweets occasionally. And it sounds like uh, Dom Smith not doing too poorly, but I don't think he's an option for the big club, at least not at this point. Many steps to get to, to that. Gonzalez, Flores, then maybe Bruce, then maybe after that, Dom Smith. Joe is in Queens. What's up, Joe? Yeah, hi, Sal. I have a question, a football question and a comment on the interview just had yeah, just before. My comment on the interview is. This guy Andahar has had a stretch like the guys like Ty Cobb. Yeah, I mean, you can't talk about trading someone like that when he's you're not even paying him any money. Yeah, well, the problem is the problem is Joe, and you're right. I I understand that logic or that theory, and I think you're going to be the majority of people are going to agree with you. But the Yankees are going to need a pitcher at some point. Teams are going to want either Torres or Andahar. Can't do that. Zero point zero chance, in my opinion. Yeah, that's fair. My football question is these third-day quarterbacks, you know, say white to the Cowboys, this LSU quarterback to New England, do you have any scuttlebutt on any of them that's interesting where they might emerge? I do not, Joe, to be honest with you. You're talking about the late draft picks from each team? Yeah, just the quarterbacks, you yeah. know, whether it be the Giants guy from Richmond or, or any any interesting one thing I heard about the Giants guy, Lavetta or whatever, how, how do you say yeah. his name, Lavetta, uh, is that right. he doesn't have a strong arm. So, I mean, I th- yeah, I think that's one thing right there that you'd be concerned about. He doesn't have a strong arm. Look, the Giants took a chance on a quarterback uh, late in the draft. Uh, you're going to have him compete with Davis Webb to be the backup. One's going to be the backup. One's going to be the third-string guy behind Eli Manning. I, I would be lying to you if I told you I knew anything about them or other quarterbacks that went late in the draft. The first-round guys, yes, I am obviously paid attention to that dealing with the fact that the Giants and Jets were picking so high. We knew the Jets were going to take a quarterback. I don't know about any of the quarterbacks in the late rounds. Here's what I do know, Joe. I don't even think the teams that studied these guys know how they're going to pan out the next level. You don't know. Because if you did, how does Tom Brady go where he went? How do certain guys that go number one become bust? It doesn't doesn't add up. There is no exact science. So they could sit there and tell you one thing today, and then you know three, four, five years down the road, something totally different happens. Yeah, it's not like you like this night, uh, LeBron James of quarterbacks. We can just right. see 
see that, uh, uh, you know, that special, special talent is just so identifiable. I think you're right, Sal. I think it's a little bit harder to pick a quarterback, period. Yeah, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And thanks for the call, Joe. I mean, you could look at the Peyton Manning-Ryan Leaf draft, and I remember that vividly. They didn't know which one was going to go one, which one was going to go two. Neck and neck, Peyton Manning and Ryan Leaf, and you could not be more opposite the way that it panned out. One is an all-time great, maybe the best ever, surefire Hall of Famer, Super Bowl winner, two-time Super Bowl winner, and the other is a complete bust, didn't do anything, except get himself in prison. Right? I think he ended up in prison, and now he's out, and now he's teaching and all that. And it's good to see Ryan Leaf turn his career around, but you get the point. Andrew Luck was supposed to be surefire, can't miss, Gonna, you know, be the heir apparent to Peyton Manning. And, you know, you don't know what, look again, look at him. Now, I know talent wise is not the issue with Andrew Luck, but injuries. Another thing you can't predict. Luck has never reached his full potential. You could blame the Colts for not building enough around him, but obviously he hasn't been able to be healthy or get healthy. So I'd love to sit here and say, yeah, Sam Darnold, franchise quarterback, sure fire. Don't know. I, I myself would have invested in Josh Rosen. And Josh Rosen is a quarterback that I like more than probably any quarterback coming out. I mean, Luck was obviously, like I said, he was one that I think everybody was in unison with. But I, I even, you know, Winston and Mariota, even Matt Ryan and Flacco those years. Like, I know Flacco went a little later, but those two were always tied uh, together being in the same draft. I, I wasn't sold on Matt Ryan. I believe my, I could go back to years ago with Michael Vick, sold on him. I mean, you want to go back to Manning and Roethlisberger and Rivers, okay. But in recent memory, I have not been sold on a quarterback coming out the way that I am with Josh Rosen. I'd be surprised if Rosen was not a franchise quarterback. 800-321-0710, 800-321-0710. We'll get to your calls. Also get to Wayne Randazzo, our own Wayne Randazzo at 720. Get some insight to the Mets when we come back. Salicata in the Sports Zone. Filling in for Pete McCarthy, the voice of New York, 710 WOR. You're in the WOR Sports Zone. In for Pete, here's Sal Licata. 800-321-0710, the number to call. We'll get back to your calls in a little bit. We'll also give away a pair of Mets tickets this hour, so you want to stay tuned for that right now. We get some more insight with our own Wayne Randazzo. You can hear him every night here on the Mets pre- and post-game shows. Also does some play-by-play as well. Wayne, thanks for taking a couple of minutes. Uh, now, it sounds like uh, you're not going to get any update on Cespedes, but let me ask you, what have you heard the latest uh, on Cespedes, and do you think maybe the Mets' lack of uh, letting the info out tonight is any indication of the seriousness of this injury? Yeah, it certainly appears ominous, Sal, and especially considering that uh, it's going to be Sandy himself delivering the message tomorrow uh, when the, when he has his normal press conference before a uh, homestand. So, uh, you know, it, it could lead, it could mean something is, is worse than maybe what the Mets were seeing on Sunday. And the x-rays were negative, but that didn't mean there wasn't something wrong with the, his ligament or something inside the thumb that could have been torn. So, uh, yeah, you know, it doesn't look great when you uh, consider the Mets are not saying anything today. Why wait until tomorrow? But, you know, maybe it's it's really nothing, and, and Sandy will 
address all that tomorrow. So maybe a, a restless night for Mets fans ahead. I'll be honest with you, Wayne. I initially was thinking that when I saw Puma report that with you know the tweet saying the Mets aren't going to say anything until tomorrow. Initially, I was thinking exactly what you said, but I was kind of expecting you. I thought maybe I was overreacting, as I normally do. <laughs> I was kind of expecting you, Wayne, to calm me down. You just made it worse. <laughs> well, Sal, you know, I don't, I don't. I wish I could tell you better news, but uh, you know, it could be nothing. It, it could very well just be a few days, or maybe I'll need to go on the disabled list. Maybe it's a sprain. And he'll be out a couple of weeks, uh, or maybe it's something worse, and he'll be out a couple of months. So it, it's it's so maybe it's somewhere in the middle, and it's just a, a two week thing, and he'll be back out there, regardless of what it is, even if it's just a few days. It comes at a bad time because Cespedes was just starting to roll. The last four games, I would say, going back to Thursday's game against the Cardinals, he was a completely different hitter than what we saw in the first few weeks of the season, and it's unfortunate timing in that sense, because Cespedes, it seemed, was just about to take off. Yeah, just starting to get going. Plus, his gnome night is coming up on Saturday. I mean, that, you, right. you don't yeah, want to miss gnome. your, your gnome yeah. giveaway day. Uh, that no. would that would stink. We're talking about our own Wayne Randazzo. I, I guess my next question could be rendered useless uh, by tomorrow, but how about the idea of Bruce going to first base to have you know Nimmo and Lagaris get regular at-bats? Obviously, if Cespedes is out, that changes the whole conversation. Are you um, you know a fan of moving Bruce to first base to get those guys some more A-Bs? Yeah, I think I think Jay Bruce will be the Mets' first baseman eventually. Uh, I could even see him being the everyday first baseman wow. eventually, maybe in the back half of this year, maybe next year. You know, Adrian Gonzalez is only on a one-year deal. Uh, you know, maybe Dom Smith doesn't turn things around, and, and that's because of the way Nimmo's played. And Ligaris, too, that, you know, you've got, if you've got Conforto and Cespedes locked up, maybe Bruce just goes to first full-time. I, I think, you know, it, it makes a lot of sense at the end of the day that, that Jay ends up there. Now, to this point, obviously, we, and we said this all the time, these things take care of themselves, and maybe Cespedes being out a couple of weeks does buy the Mets some time in the sense of where, what they do with Jay Bruce and Adrian Gonzalez right now. But I'll tell you another thing about Gonzalez. You know, he's been hitting the ball fine. We saw a couple of instances yesterday where he smoked the ball and it got caught in the gap in right center field. I, I think that Adrian Gonzalez, and he has 17 RBIs. That's as many as Frazier. He's had a couple of big games. But I think that Adrian's held his own so far. I think he's been a lot better than what I expected. And, you know, he's fine around the bag. Even at his advanced age, I think he's still going to be better around the bag at first than Jay Bruce, who's not a natural first baseman. So I don't think the Mets are too, uh, really too eager to, to get Adrian Gonzalez away from there. Uh, but I do think they want to get Nemo and Ligaris at bat. So they're really kind of in a catch-22 right now. And if Cespedes does end up on the disabled list, well, that would that would take care of all that for now. Yeah, unfortunately, but you're right. These things do work themselves out. I can't believe Gonzalez has 17 ribbies. I mean, I like him. I like watching him when he gives you a professional at bat. Uh, his beautiful swing. I mean, I know he's aging. He's not going to be the same player that he once was, but I would give a little more time uh, to Adrian Gonzalez, not just based off of yesterday. I think he adds something to this ball club. But long term, yeah, I mean, they're probably better off with Bruce at first base. Do you think Nimmo is going to be exposed as a potential everyday player or you think he will thrive in that role i think brandon nemo is still developing i think he's still getting better i think he's still trying to figure out uh, what type of player he is and, and who he can be to help a team uh, i i think brandon nemo the way that he's developed in the last three or four seasons has really impressed me you know aside from his makeup we all know that he's a great kid and He's a super guy. You know, he's, he's the last one to sign autographs, and he's the one they're dragging on the bus to get him away from all the fans that he's mm. signing for. 
you know, it, it, he's such a good, over-the-top good guy. But aside from that, he is an extremely hard worker. His work ethic is off the charts as well as his makeup. And he's a guy who's in the cage. He's watching video. He's paying an enormous amount of attention to his body and, and what goes in it and, and how he eats, the whole, everything. He's conditioned himself to be a tremendous athlete, and he's worked very hard to become a good baseball player. So I, I think, you know, obviously he's not going to get on base 50% of the time all season long, but I think Brandon Nimmo is a valuable player, and I think that we're really just seeing the tip of what he could be at the major league level. What if his power develops? You know, he's big. he's a big guy. What if he starts hitting home runs? We haven't even seen that from Brandon yet, but I, I think we could. And I, I think if Brandon's playing every day, that I, I, he'll only get better. Yeah, and he is fun to watch. I'll tell you that. Whether uh, he's going to get exposed or not, uh, at this point, he is fun to watch, and it seems like he does something every time he has the opportunity. I'm talking Wayne Randazzo. You can hear him on the pre- and post-games here on OR. Tomorrow, the coverage begins, 6.05. Mets resume play. Take it on the Bravos for three. Uh, how about uh, Michael Conforto, Wayne? He's been my favorite player. I, I keep saying I think he's the best hitter on this team. He struggled this year, and I know he's gotten on base 20 straight games every time. He's, I don't care about that. Conforto's got a hit, and for whatever reason, he's not hitting this year uh is there reason to be concerned about Conforto possible shoulder thing what, what's up with Michael Conforto no I think it's it's just similar to Cespedes and even, even Bruce to some extent you know it's just it's just it's just the time we're in the season where he's just not hitting very well he looks a little lost right now um you know maybe he's in his head a little bit but you know I think Michael's going to be fine I think as we've seen before you have to continue to make adjustments but the talent is going to win out as long as you do that. And I think Michael will do that. So I, I'm not concerned at all. You know, is it bats even in the last, even yesterday? I mean, he's just not quite there yet, but you know, we, we saw Cespedes not quite be there yet for three or we, for three weeks or so. And then all of a sudden since Thursday, he'd been smacking the ball and he'd stopped striking out. So it, it just, you know, the, it, these things happen for a, a bit parts in the season and you just have to roll with it. And I think Conforto will, will roll out of it soon. Last one on the lineup for you, Wayne, before we switch to the pitching. You know, I, we had Pete and I had uh, Callaway on our show on Friday. I know you talk to him every day. You're out there. He made it sound like, well, I mean, we all know catching has been an issue, obviously, with Pulecki and Darno going down. But those guys, Nito and Lobatone, uh, each respectively produced a little bit this weekend in San Diego. Do you think um, the Mets are going to actively look to upgrade at that catching spot? Or do you think they're still planning to ride it out until Pulecki comes back? Well, they'll ride this out. Uh, you know, Kevin's not that far away. Maybe two more weeks, and I think you should see Ploiecki. But uh, you know, even so, uh, you know, Ploiecki's still waiting to prove himself at the major league level. Lobatone will be a, a solid, experienced backup while Ploiecki's back, and and Darno's obviously out for the year. But I think long term, looking at this season, that the Mets are going to actively seek out something as far as the catching position is concerned. I would be surprised if they went into a pennant race with Ploiecki and Lobatone as their catchers. I think they'll add eventually. I don't think it'll be in the next two weeks. I don't even think that's a smart thing to do because you can get ripped off pretty easily by, mm. by trying to go after somebody this early in the season. So, I mean, it's not the, the best thing in the world to, to ride with Lobatone and Nito right now, but considering that Ploiecki is just going to be a couple more weeks, uh, I think that they'll handle that and then look to add once it's closer to the trade deadline. All right, we're still awaiting, obviously, the uh, the status of Cespedes tomorrow. You mentioned Pulecki maybe a couple weeks away. What's up with Swarzak? Is he a couple of weeks away? I haven't heard anything on him recently. Yeah, we haven't heard much. It's been kind of quiet. He, he's progressing. You know, these obliques sometimes take 
four weeks, five weeks, six weeks, especially for a pitcher. Uh, it was his left side. So, you know, they're not in any rush. They want to have him back because he'll be a valuable piece to the bullpen once he is. But they're in absolutely no hurry right now. I think they feel like that the way Gesellman and, and Lugo have stepped up in the bullpen, you know, even having Harvey down there as he tries to get back to where it's at least some semblance of what he used to be, that they're comfortable right now. Paul Seawald has, has arrived in the last couple of weeks. Remember the first two weeks of the season, everybody was thinking Seawald was going to go to Vegas because you know, he wasn't being used very often. Well, suddenly he's become a, a trusted member in Mickey Calloway's bullpen. So yeah, they feel like they're, the, the pen is still a strength. I think they like to get Blevins and Ramos going a little bit. But, uh, you know, once Suarez comes back, then, yeah, it's even stronger than it is now. I guess Dave Island today was speaking with the Daily News, said that uh, he thinks Harvey has seen the light. I mean, whatever that means. If I'm Harvey, I'd run the other way from whatever light there might be shining. Do you think, Wayne, this is long-term him in the bullpen? Or you could see a scenario where, say, Matt's goes down, whether it's injury or, or doesn't perform, or, or something like that, where they quickly transition Harvey back to the rotation? Or do you think this is a long-term project trying to make him a useful weapon out of the bullpen? I think they'll need to see more success than what they've seen so far. Maybe Matt has taken to it. Maybe Matt is trying to play along right now. But they they need to see more than two innings in games that were well decided by the time he got into them. I think he'll need to have some high leverage innings before they can even make the determination that he's found his way and can be a candidate to get back to the starting rotation. I'd like to see Seth Lugo get some starts before Matt Harvey right now if you're going to go away from Matt's. But it really doesn't seem like they're going to do that either. You know, Steven had this little back thing come up. Uh, they think he'll be fine. They're pushing him back. I mean, really, you'd, you'd probably rather have Syndergaard Grom on regular rest anyway. So, you know, Matt's can have some extra time to figure his stuff out. But I, I would, if I, if, if they're up to me, I would say Lugo should be the next guy out of the bullpen to make a start before Harvey. And, and I, I, I'd only change my mind until you see Matt get some big outs for this team, which he's not been able to do yet. Yeah, I like that you said that because that's kind of what I was going to ask. If they need another starter, where are they getting it? Are they going to move Lugo? I mean, who knows? And Vargas, now look, I, I know there was one game and he was awful. I would expect to, to have some sort of a extended leash here with him. But let's say, Wayne, that he doesn't get it done. Callaway has shown he's not going to pit, he's not going to put you out there if you don't get it done. I mean, do they have a quick hook with Wheeler, with Mats, with Vargas? And then who would be next? I mean, maybe it would be Seth Lugo. Yeah, I don't think the hook's going to be that quick. I, you know, I think Wheeler was good yesterday. You know, he had nine strikeouts. He's had a couple of really good starts. Uh, I think Wheeler's kind of solidified himself a little bit. Maybe Steven Matz hasn't, but I still think that he does have some more opportunities here. And Vargas, you know, we saw Bartolo Colon do that all the time. Where mm. He'd just get lit up one night. And, and then the next time, he didn't look any different, but somehow he only gave up one run. I mean, that's kind of who Jason <laughs> Vargas is. He's just going to come at you the next time you know maybe he'll make that slight adjustment throw those pitches in, in different locations and largely looked just like he did on Saturday but but somehow come away unscathed and, and be in line for the victory I, I think he'll be fine that was so funny Wayne because it's so true certain guys look different when they get tattooed Bartolo never did and I think Vargas <laughs> it's a great comparison he's probably that same guy he's, he's gonna have nights like that where he gets roughed up unfortunately first impression and especially coming off of his you know first tenure with the Mets but uh well, yeah Mickey you know Mickey made an interesting point that he'd been pitching in front of a screen so much that maybe his front shoulder was diving out of the way early Hmm. because he was trying to avoid the screen that's been in front of him. Maybe that just kind of messed him up a little bit. You know, baseball is, is, is so minute. The things that need to be done, 
if, if you're just the slightest bit off, you could, you could look like you don't belong on a major league field. And really it's just a slight tweak that could be made for the next start that will make him, you know, the guy who he's been for the last 10 years. So it, it'll be, I think he'll be fine and we'll, we'll find out how he looks next time. Yeah. And the big question now is going to be what happens with Cespedes uh, and uh, hopefully good news or at least not the worst news tomorrow. Thanks Wayne. Appreciate it. All right, Sal. Thanks a lot. Now I'm going to lose some sleep now. Thanks, Wayne. Really? You made me lose some sleep now. I was all, I swear I saw that and I was like, okay, Sal, do not panic. Do not overreact. It's let's not look or read too much into it. It's just Puma saying that you know what, Mike Puma, the Post reporting, Mets aren't going to say anything about it now. They'll address it tomorrow with Alderson. And my instinct when reading that was, uh oh, this is not good. Why would they not just release it if it were a clean MRI? Something's got to be wrong. And then I tried to throughout the course of the show while I'm talking to you in between. I'm trying to talk myself out of it. Don't overreact. It's not a big deal. Don't think the worst. Don't be negative. Have a positive mind frame. And then Wayne, who is positive, right? Wayne's not an overreactor. He's the opposite of guys like me. Wayne is level-headed. He's not going to be negative or positive. Wayne is level-headed. Not going to overreact. And he says, yeah, there's probably something to it. This might be bad news. It's ominous. Uh Uh-oh. This could be a big problem. 800-321-0710. Not what you want after finishing up the first month of the season. Good fashion. 17-9, first place. Let's move on to May. Can't deal with a serious Cespedes injury. 800-321-0710. 800-321-0710. Taking your calls next. Also giving away a pair of tickets. When we come back, it's the Sports Zone with Sal Licata filling in for Pete McCarthy, the voice of New York, 710 WOR. This is the WOR Sports Zone. Filling in for Pete McCarthy, here's Sal Licata. Trying to read on Twitter the latest about Cespedes. Uh, obviously, the Mets aren't going to, um, they're not going to release any news until tomorrow, as you heard, when Alderson meets the media as he normally does before homestand, the first game before homestand. A couple people talking about, oh, if you're panicking about Cespedes. Don't don't worry. This is normal protocol. Blah blah blah. The more I see tweets like that, the more that I know that there is something to worry about. And you could call it idiotic all you want. It's not. That's what happens when you don't release the info. People speculate. People start to think instead of just coming out and saying it is. You know the we took the MRI. There's something torn in there. He's out six weeks, two months, a, a month, whatever it may be. I don't know. Or it's not. There's nothing to be worried about. MRI came back clean, just like the x-rays. Going to be out a week. Or we're going to DL him for, you know, 10 days. Whatever it may be. Whatever it is, put it out there when you know. If you know something and you're not throwing it out there, that's a problem. And they would not, in my opinion, hold it back unless it were something bad. It somehow, some way, would have leaked. Here's how these things work. Reporter would email Somebody in the organization that he knows, somebody gets back to him saying, all good, don't worry about it. Then the story comes out, then somebody else picks it up, then somebody else picks it up, followed by a press release from the team saying the official word is such and such. The fact that this has not gotten out, to me, would not be a good thing. Now again, I don't know, I don't pretend to know, I have no sources, I don't want any sources. I'm using common sense. Common sense would tell me that if it were good news... They would want that out there, especially before the homestand. Don't want to hurt ticket sales either. I mean, you know, people getting excited to go to the 
you know, ballpark this week. Mets are back. Mets are in first place. They're playing good baseball. Exciting team to watch. You get Syndergaard pitching twice on the homestand. You got the Gnome. You got the Sox. You're giving away free shirts. Braves, divisional rival. You don't want to hear the news. Cespedes is out for an extended period of time before that. Because that's deflating. Regardless of how positive you may be, regardless of how well they have played, any news with Cespedes being out longer than a couple of weeks, and even that's not good, but any news with him being out for more than a couple of weeks is a problem. And for a hitter, that thumb is worrisome. Torn ligaments in that thumb, if that is in fact what it is, is a problem. Cespedes himself said he feels like he had something similar when he was at Oakland. A few days, he'll be fine. Again, that might be the case. Maybe I am an idiot. And in this case, an idiot for overreacting. We've known uh, I could be an idiot for other things as well. But I, I don't like the fact that they're holding back news. Put it this way. When was the last time holding back news became news? Because I don't remember it. I've been covering the Mets for a long time in the business, and I've been watching them my whole life. I don't remember ever saying, hold off on the major injury, potential major injury news, wait till Alderson addresses the media tomorrow. Nonsense. That never happens. Ever. Give me the time. I don't recall it if it is, if it has happened. Guy goes for tests, you get results back. So now it's, okay, well, the results are back, but you're not going to find out till tomorrow. That's problematic. Nate is in Connecticut. What's up, Nate? Hey, Sal. Good to talk to you. Thanks. Thanks for calling. So all the time. Oh, yeah, no problem. Appreciate it. Uh, yeah, totally typical what you're talking about with the Mets, you know, the information going all the way back to Omar days. But um, I just wanted to touch, you guys touched on it with the uh, with Wayne there about the pitching staff. It's like, you know, how long – with with some of the stuff that the the starters have shown, you know, how long do you wait before you give Gazelman and Lugo a look? Um, that's that's one of the questions I had. And then a quick point as well is, uh, I'm still concerned with with what I've seen from from Familia. And uh, interesting, I've, I've heard somebody a couple of years back talk about the psyche of some of these pitchers, these closers like Brad Lidge, Mitch Williams, when they give up a big postseason home run and then never being the same again. And uh, you know, I'd love to still see Familia maybe in an eighth inning role, but if, if, if you're asking me right now, one of our big weaknesses, I think uh, we got to look at a closer if we're going to stay in this race throughout the rest of the year. Yeah, I think uh, another bullpen arm could always be used, Nate, and thank you for the call. Appreciate it. Uh, I, I don't know if I'm ready to panic about Familia just yet. As a matter of fact, I'm not. I think Familia has looked as he normally looks. I mean, look, he's coughed it up in the big spot a couple of times. 2015 World Series, 2016 Wild Card Game. And last year, clearly, you know, amongst other stuff that happened in the offseason, which caused a suspension, and then he gets hurt. So he's got a lot to prove here. But I think he's been okay in what we've seen so far of him. I don't think I trust Ramos. I wouldn't certainly not make him my closer. Ramos drives you nuts with all the walks. They need to get Swarzak back because he was supposed to be another arm that you could trust to the back of the pen. Blevins has not done his job. Maybe you'd be concerned about that. That's four right there. We're supposed to be the big four. Gazelman has been their best reliever. So to your point or your other question about what's going to happen, how long a leash do they have with the starters, you heard Wayne talk about it a little bit. They're going to have a leash because they have to. A long leash with Vargas. With Wheeler, as long as he's healthy, and the same with Mats. Maybe one of those guys 
if they continue, you know, three times in a row to get beat up, then maybe they considering making a, consider making a move. But that move would not be Gazelman. Gazelman's sitting in the bullpen. He has thrived in his role out of the pen. Matter of fact, of anybody, I would trust him to be the closer outside of Familia. And Callaway still can use both those guys. You know, in, if he wants to bring in Familia in the eighth or seventh, fine, and then use Gazelman in the ninth one night, or vice versa. Uh, he's not locked in. He is not committed to any roles. It's looked as if Familia has been the closer. He's been the closer the majority of the time. But Callaway just said it with Pete and I on Friday that that's not necessarily always going to be the case. But if you just had to trust an arm right now out of the pen, you know, the top two would have to be Gazelman and Familia. I like Lugo there too, but I think Lugo has the potential to be better in the rotation. He might be a guy who could give you five solid innings. I like him as a long man. I'm fine with that. But if I needed one out to get in a big spot, guys on base, coming in with guys on base, I'd much rather go to Gazelman than Lugo. And they need to get, again, they need to get Swarzak back. Could they add? Certainly. You'd like to see this team add a catcher and add a bullpen arm or two. Maybe one lefty, one righty. And they could potentially use another starter. Now, I know that's asking for a lot. Two bullpen arms, a catcher, and a starter. You know, they need Vargas to get going, and you hope either, you hope Wheeler can just give you what he gave you yesterday, every fifth day, back end of the rotation. Some days give you six, some days give you five, maybe even pitch into the seventh, but keep the club in the game. Matt is, you know, one day he looks like Cy Young, the next day he looks like Jason Vargas did on Saturday night. And maybe not as good as his bad, but you get the point. He's either really good or he stinks. And I think Vargas, to Wayne's point too, will settle in after the first rough one and keep the team in games. Maybe give you six-plus innings every fifth day and keep the team in games. Right now, your chance to win a pair of tickets. See the Mets take on the Rockies May 5th out at City Field. Be caller number 52. Caller number 52. That's for you, Producer Mark. Mark, Producer Mark's done a really nice job tonight, and I just got the look of disgust with the 52. It's for the Cespedes Gnome. Have to do it. And with hopefully good luck for Cespedes and his health. 800 You'll be the winner. Brought to you, of course, by the New York Mets and Coca-Cola. Get to City Field this Saturday night, May 5th. See the Mets take on the Rockies. First 25,000 fans in attendance receive a Yoannis Cespedes Garden Gnome, courtesy of New Balance. Purchase tickets at Mets.com slash tickets. We'll have another pair to give away next hour. We'll come back with your calls, not for the Mets tickets, to talk to me, if you'd like. On the other side, we'll do some basketball at 8 o'clock as well, so a lot more to do. Salicata in the Sports Zone. Filling up for Pete McCarthy on The Voice of New York, 710 WOR. Now, you're in the WOR Sports Zone. Filling in for Pete, here's Sal Licata. Did you find caller 52, producer Mark? Do we have one? Of course I did. All right, good job. So we'll give away another pair of tickets next hour, our final hour of the Sports Zone. We'll do some hoops next. We'll also take your calls 
uh, on whatever it may be, basketball, you want to talk about the Jets and Giants draft, uh, for whatever reason, sure. We'll do some Mets, Yanks as well. Just looking over, it was interesting. You know, I don't look at the numbers throughout the course of at the season, I guess sometimes you you know you check out somebody's numbers. Hey, what's this guy doing? Whatever it may be, but I watch it day to day, and I let my eyes do the talking for me instead of just looking at the numbers. I liked Gonzalez and felt like, nah, he's been fine this year. And I know he's had a couple of you know big games and then went into a big slump. I had no idea he had 17 RBI. Wayne pointed that out just by watching and thinking. You would not think that he was amongst the team leaders in ribbies. If I were to ask you, producer Mark, you watch the match. You're here doing these games. All give me the top three Mets in RBI right now? Off, Off the top, top of my head, yeah. I would say Frazier has to be up there. Right. Cabrera. Right. You would think Cespedes or Conforto. Well, Conforto's done nothing this year. As a matter of fact, he's got six, but you're right with the other ones. Cespedes has 25 ribbies, leads the team, right? And you mentioned the other two, and I think I probably would have said the same thing. Cabrera and Frazier. They each have 17. Adrian Gonzalez has 17. Doesn't seem to add up, does it? He seems to hit home runs when there's runners on yeah, base right. a lot. Well, I mean, that's that's nice. You'll take it. By the way, he's done it in less games. 17 ribbies in 21 games. Frazier's played 26. Cespedes has played 26. Uh, Cabrera has played 25. So, again, make what you will of the walks. I'm not saying, I know Gonzalez has certainly gone into a little bit of a slump, but you know that he's better than what he's been doing. If you watch him, he, he doesn't look completely lost, completely overmatched like you have seen with, let's say, Ike Davis years past. I don't care what the numbers said. Ike Davis stunk for a long period of time after he had that you know 36 home run season or whatever it was. You could just tell by watching. I use him as, as an example because I remember watching him saying, this guy doesn't belong in the big leagues. I mean, it's minor league Ike. You watch Adrian Gonzalez, he may be struggling, he may be hitting 220, but you could tell he's giving you good at bats, hitting the ball hard, you know, still got that nice swing, good veteran presence. I did not know, however, it added up to 17 ribbies, which is, I mean, you'd take that all day. At this point in the season, that's remarkable. Him, Frazier, Cabrera, each with 17 RBI on the year. Cespedes, the leader at 25, but we don't know if Cespedes will be there. Um, we certainly know he's not going to be there for at least the first three games. The Cespedes says he needs three days off. Tomorrow, the unfortunately, I think, ominous news will come with some kind of injury for an extended period of time for Cespedes. We don't know. We'll wait word from the Mets and the general manager. Till then, we have to speculate. One more hour to go in the sports zone right now. The news. 